Hello, I'm Karen Pascal. I'm the Executive Director of the Henry Nowen Society. Welcome to a new episode of Henry Nowen, Now and Then. Our goal at the Henry Nowen Society is to extend the rich spiritual legacy of Henry Nowen to audiences around the world. So we invite you to share the daily meditations and these podcasts with your friends and family. Today you're in for a treat. You are going to hear part two of Henry Nowen's talk on the spiritual disciplines. This was given at a consultation on parish ministry in January of 1992 in Orlando, Florida. If you missed part one on the spiritual disciplines, you'll find it on our website under resources. Today, we'll hear Henry Nowen complete the series with four more spiritual disciplines. Henry's goal was to equip and encourage people in ministry. And typical of any Henry talk, he breaks up his message with Teze chants. Let's listen in to this wonderful time of teaching with Henry Nowen. I want to say a little bit about the next discipline, which is daily routines. And it simply means, um, what do we do with things that we do every day? Uh, and I'd like uh, Lorenzo to say a little bit more about it, because our community is basically doing a lot of things that so quickly are being perceived as just routines, dishing, diapers, uh, cleaning, buying, and, and the great question of our life is how can the most simple daily task become a form of prayer, of spiritual life? To confess is also to praise. Confitemini means praise. The Lord, quoniam means because he's good, bonum. Let me sing that to you. Confitemini domino Quoniam bonum, confitemini dominum, alleluia. Just a word about ministry as a discipline. The great discipline of ministry in the context we're talking is to really believe that the person who comes to you comes for your conversion. And that's a very radical turnaround. That is the hardest to live. But that's what we have been talking to you in our community about that quite often I came to the community to help somebody and that person who I came to help became a teacher. The first person who I was called to care for was his name was Adam. Can you imagine? <laughs> Adam. And Adam couldn't speak and Adam cannot speak and cannot walk and cannot dress or undress himself, he's very epileptic, has very severe difficulties. But I tell you that Adam 
who I was afraid of in the beginning because of his handicap, Adam became my teacher. And I, in the beginning, I was so afraid because I had to, to take him to the baths and undress him and be very careful that I wouldn't hurt him and he couldn't speak, he couldn't respond, and I was always worrying about helping him. But gradually, when I spent one hour and two hours and three hours and every day with him for quite a few hours, gradually I discovered that for the rest of the day, Adam was always somewhere in my mind. And somehow I realized that these hours with Adam had become hours of silence, hours of prayer, hours of, of contemplation. And that Adam in his silence, and that Adam in his passivity in a way, because he couldn't do anything, called me to, to the basic truth of my life. Adam, who I came to help, started to become my teacher, saying, to be with me is better than to do anything. Saying to me, I can speak and I can think, but I can love you. And the heart is more important than the mind. And Adam was saying to me, I need a whole lot of you to stay alive. And Adam, in his weakness, created our community, the people around him, and called us to, to community. He taught us that to be is better than to do. He taught us that the heart is more important than the mind. He taught us that living together is better than living alone. And he made us do it because we had to live that way for him to live well. But he became our teacher. And I, 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 Adam is, is a very handicapped person. But I tell you, every one of us are handicapped, and everyone who comes for ministry to you is handicapped and asks you help. And if you really believe in your call as a minister, your first vocation is to discover and to discern what this person is bringing to you for your conversion, for your healing. In a way, to minister is to create space for the other to convert you. Ministry is to create space so that as the other sees your conversion, he or she is healed. That's the, the great mystery. The healing often takes place when people who ask for healing discover that you are being renewed and not just becoming more depressed or more burdened or more tired. And I, I might as well mention right away the, the next discipline, and that is spiritual reading. Because Somehow you have to keep reading about God in order to keep that perspective going. And what do you have to read? Well, I, I don't... Scripture. But, but please think about, it, about the treasures of the church. And today, I, I, I know I'm talking a little bit from my own tradition, but I would really encourage you to read the mystics. 
ritmistic. And, and there are Protestant mystics and Catholic mystics and Hindu mystics and uh, ritmistics. Because the mystics speak about the communion with God. And out of that communion they speak and they act. And you, and I know it, and maybe it's, it's not meant as a judgment, but it's a, at least mentioned as an observation that I am very much part of, because I, I love your work and your ministry, and I'm doing it with you. But we are so much thinking in moral terms, in moral issues, in issues in the first place. And we have important issues the issues of the poor and the issues of the handicapped and the issue of women and the issue of gay and the issue of, of power and the issue of oppression and the issue of the third world and the very important issues. And when we deal with issues, we always end up asking questions about good and evil and, and, and what can we do and what is not good and what is good and where we are oppressed and so on. It's important. But you can see how it can pull you away and make you tired. Jean-Francois always said to me, you know, Henry, you know, you can only deal well with issues out of an intimate relationship with the other. If we are allowing the issues to dominate our inner life, then we become moralists, whether we want it or not. But we have to be mystics. We have to be people who live in communion with God and, and nurture that and feel connected there and from there we deal with the issues and we become moral people. But the moral life has to grow out of the mystical life. And if the church and the Christian community is considered to be primarily dealing with moral issues, people are not going to come. Because it doesn't nurture to hear what's, what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do. It doesn't help the deepest part of our heart and many people are perceiving the church still as saying this, yes, this, no. And we don't want that. And we, we, we fight it, but it is hard to fight unless we live a mystical life. Unless we, we are people who are primarily concerned to, to help people discover how their anguish and how their pain and how their struggle is a cry for communion. To discover that in their desire to, to be close to another person, in their, desire, in their question whether they can survive, in their question about the relationship, to discover that all these questions are basically and deeply a cry for communion and that, that Jesus came to offer that communion its name is spirit. I sent you my communion, my spirit, and my spirit will pray in you and speak in you and act in you. And if you live in communion, like Paul lived in communion, and like Teresa lived in communion, St. Francis lived in communion, all the great people in history uh, are people who, the great women and the great men who have been in the, or standing there in our history are people who are mystics. Mystics, that is, people who, who experienced the communion with God so deeply that they were free to, to move, to act, and to get involved in issues.
without being destroyed by them. And we have to move from a moral to a mystical life. And that's why I encourage you to read the mystics. Even 10 minutes a day, there are a lot of beautiful books being published lately about the spiritual life, new translations. You know, and some of you mentioned Brother Lawrence's practice of the presence of God, but you have great uh, Kali devotion, uh, books from all over the tradition, Juliana of Norwich, uh, so beautiful about God as mother, the whole imagery that's so there, and uh, the people like Mr. Um, from Bingen and Hildegard, and uh, you know, all the, it's so important, know them, and nurture yourself with them. And finally, uh, as a final word, um, and that's the discipline I, I think I really want you to think about who is nurturing you. And you know that question. Is there a spiritual director? Is there somebody who will accompany you? Is there someone with whom you can cry? Is there someone who after a very heavy day you can put your arms around and say, I need you support? Are there people who, who really can come together and be vulnerable to each other. All of these disciplines, we cannot live if we don't live them together and support each other in it. In our community, nobody can live without an accompanier. You, you assign somebody who, who you are called to talk to at least once a month. And you need accompaniment. I need accompaniment. I can say all wonderful things to you, but if I don't have anybody who can hold me, I'm nowhere. I can speak to a large group like you, but I need somebody to hold me safe in a smaller place. And you need that as much. And, and if you go home and you're just alone, you're not going to survive. And you are responsible for that. You have to say, can I call a few people together? Can I have a spiritual director? Can I have an accompaniment person? And if it's not in the same town, maybe either a few people in the country that love me and pray for me and pray with me. Who prays for you? Who has made that commitment? Who is there you can write to on an intimate way? Who is there, maybe two or three or four, that can come once a year together to, to pray together, to, to be together, to cry together and to struggle? To be honest about our pains and our struggles but also our desire, who ministers to us, who tells us about God, who says, be faithful, who says, hold on to Jesus, who says, read this book, who says, let's be silent for an hour, who, who is holding you physically, but also emotionally and, and spiritually, who are these people, ask yourself, where are they? All of that is wonderful, but you can do it alone. You need other people. And you have to really ask where you can find these people. And so that's a discipline. And don't complain. Don't say, I don't have anybody. Oh, I can't find a spiritual director. There's no spiritual director. God doesn't leave you alone. If you want it, the people are there waiting somewhere. But you have to want it. You have to have the, the, the courage to say, I'm going to create some boundaries so that there's time for me to celebrate my own life with others and to be able to say, 
I'm not your minister here, I'm not your leader, I'm, I am here to, to feel your love for me. And I need, to, I need you to love me. I need you. And it cannot always be your wife or your husband. Sometimes good for men to meet together and for women to have, be that support for each other. A lot of men need other men to be intimate with. I mean, in a, in a sort of a safe and honest way. A lot of women need other women to be intimate with and feel they can share certain things. And a lot of ministers might like to have other ministers to be with to deal with some of their agony. I mean, it might be different for different of you. You have different needs. I have different needs. But, but don't hide them. Say, I need something and ask for it. Some people don't ask for what they need and therefore they don't get it. And it's much more available than you might think. Ask for it and the people will come there. Say, I never realized that you wanted to spend two hours or a whole afternoon just with me and, and talking and being quiet. And I love to do that. Ask. And it might turn out to be a gift for the other two. So really, really, that's a discipline. Without that, you won't ever feel that you can remain living as the beloved. I very much believe that precisely the spiritual discipline gets you in touch with eternal life. Eternal life, eternal life. And one of the things that makes me very excited about living is that I know that everything that belongs to God, and that is, mean, that is love, is stronger than death. And, and that in that sense, I, I, I can really personally, intimately feel, you know, that when I'm in touch with uh, the joy and with peace and with the gifts of the Spirit, I'm in touch with that which lasts, you know. And in fact, not only lasts, will bear fruit quite often far beyond my life. That's exactly what excites me. On the one hand, I take it into eternity, but, but the ongoing generations will bear fruit. And I dare to say that's quite, maybe it's quite, um, uh, sounds very proud, but it isn't, uh, because I want to say it to you, that, that really what, uh, uh, that what you, the seeds you've sown in your life will bear fruit far after that. And, and I, I think it's the excitement of the spiritual life. It's going to be harder and harder and harder. Um, that's what my feeling is. Uh, and it's going to be more joyful, more joyful, more joyful. Uh, that's both going to happen. And I can say that with some assurance. I mean, if you come closer to the fulfillment of your life, you have to give up more and more. If there's anything that Jesus says, when you grow old spiritually, you will have stretched out your hand Someone else will gird you and lead you where you rather wouldn't go. That's the journey of the spiritual life. Spiritual maturity is not finally having a control and can put your own belt on. It's precisely the opposite. But it's also true that precisely in that journey, you will find that joy, that ecstasy that belongs to God. And ecstasy means to move you out of the static place out of the fixed place. It moves you, it catapults you into a new world of experience, of thinking, of praying, of living, and it's a whole new area, and it's getting more and more unknown, because the farther you go into it, but uh, always you will know, since the last two steps led me to this new joy, I'm willing to take two more steps. I want to say one thing about it, don't think about it as an individual heroic journey but as a simple walk with your people. I mean, it's not like 
oh God, you know, I, I finally, I'm going to empty myself out and then I'm going to find some great joy and how do I do that? If you want to buy a television, you buy a television. That's not even an issue. I mean, if that's fine, it's fine. You'll throw them out and you don't like it anymore. I mean, it's okay to experiment with things and, and you know, not, not be too, too ascetic or too explicit. Yeah, but trust, trust. But ask your friends and ask yourself, do I do it maybe because I don't have friends to, to be with and I sit there hours alone and I have, I have nobody to talk to? Well, do I deal with that? But, but very much what I would like you to say, make the journey um, in community, if somewhere that, 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 that I can only go the next step when I know people hold me faithful. And, uh, and really, you know, and where are these people? And uh, a lot of ministers are too alone, much too alone. Mu they, think, they still think that they have to be pastors of their flock, but, and that's true, and I have, but, but the same thing, where can they be really cared for in a real good way? And then, and, and that allows you to take that step, because the people you're talking to, you're ministering to, want to make that same journey. That's not just for the minister, for everyone. And to, to see it lived out in you somewhere is an enormous source of hope, but you have to live it out being encouraged constantly. Does that make sense? I, uh, just to conclude that, I want to um, sing one song, if you still have the energy, one song. And this is going to be a fun song, so you have all to help me, really. Okay, could you start? Okay, yo be late day yo. Praise the Lord. Yo be late day Okay. Omnis terra. Omnis terra. Servite domino in Laetitia. Stop it for a moment. Servite means serve the Lord. Laetitia means joy. Servite domino in Laetitia. Okay, let's do that again. Yo be late deo, omnis terra, servite domino in Laetitia. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. I learned so much from Henry's teaching, and of course I was struck by his statement that the seeds you have sown will bear fruit far beyond your life. Certainly Henry Nouwen's words continue to bear fruit almost 24 years after his death. He wants us to know that the anguish and pain we face is really a call to community and to communion. And he calls us forward to live a mystical life. Oh, what a challenge for people today. For resources related to today's podcast, or to find part one on Henry's teaching on the spiritual disciplines, click on the links on the podcast page of our website. You can find additional content and book suggestions. These archival recordings were made available courtesy of the Henry J.M. Nowen Archives at the John M. Kelly Library at the University of St. Michael's College. Thanks for listening. Until next time.